This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Good morning, good morning. And if you don't know, my name is Adam and I'm the youth minister um, in if you are surprised, like Ashley said, Nathan and Whitney are celebrating the, the coming of baby Natalie. Um, so this week, um, you get to hang out with me for a little bit, um, and I'm so excited for the message that God is going to bring us this morning. Um, so as we go forward and we continue in our series, Paparazzi, and we're going through the book of James. Um, and as we do that, before we dive in, I just want to lift up a communal prayer for Nathan and Whitney and baby Natalie. Um, so as we jump in, would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you for, uh, for just bringing in Natalie safely into this world. Uh, we lift up Nathan and, and Whitney as they navigate early parenthood, God, that you would just be with them, that you would give them as much rest as they can get, um, and that you would just uh, let our community here at RCC be one that lifts up Nathan and Whitney and, and steps in when they need help, and when, when we can do what we can as, as the church um, to help raise baby Natalie. And we just praise you for getting here, her here safely, um, and we lift all the praise to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be going through James, and we're going to be finishing up the first chapter of James, and we're going to be in James 1, 19 through 27. So if you're somebody who likes to follow along, um, that's where we're going to be, so you can flip there now, and we'll, we'll jump in in just a few moments. Um, but I want to start off by talking a little bit about expectations. And for most of us, we live life with some sort of expectations, um, and maybe we have an expectation on how our marriage is going to go, or how our marriage should be, or, or what our vacation should look like. We have an expectation on how well our sports team should do, or, or how well our kids should perform in school, or we might have an expectation on the type of quality life that we should have, right? Um, but for many of us, our expectations, if, if you've had any similar experiences to me, you know that our expectations don't always measure up to how we think they're going to be. Um, and, and I have a few pictures for us to maybe symbolize that a little bit. So maybe your expectations look a little bit like this. You're like, oh, I'm going to the beach. It's going to be a sunny, bright day. You show up and, and there's not an ounce of sand in sight because every inch of the beach is covered by people. And you're like, I got my one by one foot on the beach. Or, or maybe it looks a little bit like this. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this great cheeseburger from, from this fast food restaurant. I saw it on the commercial. It looked like it was about to smack. You show up and you get this dinky little burger um, that doesn't even look like it has anything on it. And then maybe it also looks something like this. You're like, oh my gosh, this vacation is going to be so great. We're going to Disney World. Mickey Mouse told me that he was going to give me a personal tour of the entire park. And you show up and it, it's wall-to-wall people on that main street leading up to the castle. And you're like, dang, this is not what I expected it to be. And, and maybe uh, for us, for some of us, as we plan a birthday party, we're like, I ordered this great cake. And by the time it gets to the door, it looks like it went through a car wash and somebody stomped on it. And, and it turns out something like that. Uh, maybe for some of us guys, um, when it comes to, no to November, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing No Shave November. I'm finna come out with this beard that looks like I was in the wild for 10 years. I'm going to look so manly. And then we come out of the month and we, maybe we look something like this guy right here. Um, and, and oftentimes our expectations don't measure up to, to what we think they're going to be. And, and we feel left, left, let down and left out. And, and when we set expectations... 
and they don't become reality, there's always a problem. Um, and, and maybe that problem causes frustration. Maybe when, when our expectations don't meet where we think they should be, that we, we become disappointed or there's consequences that we face or there's hurt or pain that comes upon us as we think, oh, this is going to be so great. This is going to be so amazing. And then we are let down and we feel like we've failed or somebody has let us down and failed us. And what we will find as we continue to break down James and go through James is that James is telling us that there is an expectation for followers of Christ and how we are to live, right? And there's this expectation that doesn't, if this expectation doesn't match our reality, there will be a disconnect between who we think we are as believers and who we maybe really are, and how everybody realizes we are. And here's the expectation that James has for us. The simple expectation that Jesus brings life transformation. That when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter the love of God, when we step into his grace, that we aren't going to leave the same way that we came. That there's going to be a transformation moment. There's going to be a, a life, lifestyle and a cycle of being transformed by God knowing that, that we aren't going to be the same tomorrow that we were yesterday. And the whole book of James has this underlying expectation that our faith in Jesus will be the thing that transforms the way that we live, that our beliefs, our thoughts, our confessions would turn into action, and that our lifestyle would strive to follow Jesus in all that we do, all that we say, and all that we be. So let me just go ahead and jump into the first few verses. And a quick recap on who James is. James is believed to be the half-brother of Jesus. And he's somebody who, throughout Jesus' ministry, didn't even really believe all the things that Jesus was saying because he grew up with him. He was like, I know who Jesus is. Like, but then as Jesus performs miracles and as he goes to the cross and as he dies and then rises again, James is like, all of those things that Jesus was saying were true. And he's transformed, and he becomes a devout follower of Jesus, and he's an early leader in the church, and he eventually goes on to die for his faith because he was so convicted about what he believed. And his goal in writing this letter that we have today isn't to teach us new theological information. It's not to give us um, new thoughts to make us the smartest, but it's to challenge how we are living. It's to, to draw us into transformation. Um, so let me just dive right into James 1, 19 through 20. And it just says, My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So James, right off the bat, he gives us these three call to actions. These three ways that we can live and be that help us become more like Jesus. And he's like, be slow to, slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. And most of us, left to our own accord, I know, speaking for myself, if I'm left to my own accord, that's not how I'm going to end up most likely. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be quick to speak. I may be quick to become angry. I may be even slower to listen. And, and James is challenging us to be transformed from our natural tendencies, to step into a lifestyle that honors God with our words, with our actions. And, and what this is really getting at is, is what, we, what we say we believe is what we say we believe actually translating into how we're living? Is it just something we're saying a couple times a week? Is it something that we'll, we'll tell someone if they ask about it? Or is what we say we believe and the things that we confess actually applying into our day-to-day -day lives? Is it something that's transforming not only the ways that we talk, but the ways that we live, the ways that we treat people, the ways that we interact with the world around us? 
And this causes me to ask myself and to ask us the question, is our reality that our faith in Jesus transforms the way that we live our life? And, and does our faith make any difference in how we live? Does our faith make any difference in how we live? Are we any better at loving people who we don't like because of our faith? Does what we post on social media show that we would be someone who would follow Jesus? Is how we act when things don't go our way representative of what we confess? Is our reality that we're less judgmental than those around us? Is when we get cut off in traffic or, or the ref makes a bad call or something doesn't go our way, is our response shedding light on what we believe about Jesus? Because I believe as a follower of Jesus, we must remember that we're living out a story much larger than ourselves. We're living out our faith in a world where everyone is watching, where everybody is noticing, and, and how we live out our faith can be the greatest tool that we have to point others to Jesus, right? And some of the ways we communicate our faith when people are watching um, might be how we act at work, or how we parent our kids, or, or how we handle ourselves online, the ways we treat others, the ways we act in the hallways or in the locker rooms at school when nobody's watching, or what we do on the weekends in, in college or, or just in general. And as a follower of Jesus, it matters. It matters how we live. Because ultimately, everything we do preaches something to someone. So in this world where everybody is noticing things, where, where everything we do is either online or it's, it's put out for people to see, everybody is noticing, watching our every move. Whether we notice it or not, people are, are seeing all the good that we do and all the bad that we do. And the way that we live, the way that we interact with others is being watched by those around us. And, and the ways that we do that, the ways that we live out our faith is either going to communicate something really good about Jesus or people are going to be like, this person who confesses their faith in Jesus, their actions are, are making me feel bad about myself, making me feel like I don't belong. So James is saying, do our actions line up? with what we say we believe about Jesus. And essentially what James is saying here is, is you can hear or you can read the word of God and feel really convicted. You're like, oh goodness gracious, I needed to hear that. And, and you can tell yourself, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go out and be different, right? And, and then we feel better about ourselves after that moment. And then we go out and maybe we, for a couple days we're, we're like, oh God, thank you for transforming me in this way. And then something goes wrong or, or things fall apart or, or that, that phone call that we didn't want to get comes through. And at the end of the day, we turn back to, to our old ways and, and we have to ask ourselves, did we, did we actually do anything? Were we actually transformed or were we just riding off of a, a, a spiritual high or, or feeling like we, we were better than, than others? And James is like this. He's like, I want you to grow. I want you to reach new levels of faith. I want you to step into the places that God is taking you. But in order to do that, in order to grow, you cannot fool yourself. He's like, if you want to go to the places that I'm taking you, as in God is taking us, we have to be willing to, to allow God to mold us. We have to be willing to allow God to, to change and transform us. And he's like, if you, if you aren't doing that, if all you're doing is saying things and and putting on the right, the right clothes and the right acts in the right time, if all you're doing is checking off these boxes and, and then not actually being transformed, he's like, you're just fooling yourself. You're just fooling yourself. And you can try to convince yourself 
And, and I can try to convince myself that, that we're actually growing to be more like Christ. You know, but unless we allow God to transform our hearts and our motives and our intentions, we're just lying to ourselves and we're just putting on a performance that makes it seem like we have it all together. And, and I think that growing in our faith is, is much more than, than simply listening to God's word. Right? I believe that is a very important part of it, to listen to God's word. But it's much more than just turning on your favorite preacher's online sermon. It's much more than reading a book about faith. It's much more about tuning in to your favorite Christian podcast. It takes more than, than just being committed to a devotional plan to grow in your faith. And James goes on to say this. In verse 22 he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So he says, do what it says. Everybody say, do. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James is like, if, you aren't, if you're only listening, listening isn't what makes the difference. Well then James, what, what does make the difference? If listening isn't what does it, what makes the difference? And he's like, I'm so glad you asked that because he goes on to say, do what it says. Do what the Word of God says. And we must do what the Word of God says. We must live out what Jesus has called us to do in a world that we're living into and engaging with. And that is what makes the big difference, right? And, and you know what else? Or you know who else said something like that? A little bit like that? Jesus. Jesus did while he was on earth. And, and in John 14, 15, we see him say, If you love me, keep my commands. From the mouth of Jesus, If you love me, keep my commands. And in Luke eleven twenty eight, he says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Receive the word of God. Be open to God's direction. Be the person that is saying, God, I'm ready to hear from you. But after he gives you a word, after you receive something from his word, don't just sit on it. Obey it. Do, do it. Act it out. Live into a world as, as followers of Jesus who are not only taking in the word, but applying it and living into it. And I want to make sure that I'm clear on something so nobody leaves uh, thinking that I'm saying something I'm not. Salvation is by faith alone and, and through grace alone. And, and our good works do not earn us favor with God. Our, our good works can't do, uh, reach an, us to a certain level where we, we work our way into eternity. Um, Jesus is the only way to do that. We, we can't work our way into favor with God and all the good and righteous things that you and I could do would, would never be enough um, to save ourselves from God's righteous judgment. And, and our good standing with God it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us and how we respond to that. In, in our works, our actions, our obedience, and how we live our lives is our response to the gifts of grace that we have received from Jesus. The ways that we live, this whole idea of stepping in and applying isn't simply just to be seen as a good person, but it's our response to this grace from God where we say, God, I, you have done everything for me. I would be nobody without you. And because of that, we respond with our actions. We respond in a way where we say, God, I have been so transformed by your love, by your grace, that I cannot leave the same way that I came. I, I cannot leave an encounter with God where I've received such powerful love and grace that I walk out the same way that I walked in. And that's this whole idea that we're looking at today of being transformed by Jesus. And, and James is saying that when you receive the word, the gospel message that Jesus came to proclaim, 
is a gospel that, that not only redeems us from our sins, but it's a gospel message that invites us to live a life that is stepping out and stepping up from our sinful nature and, and to living out a life that is obeying the teachings of Jesus. And we receive that message and we let it take root in our hearts. We let it pierce the deepest parts of who we are. And it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we think, the way that we treat others. And when we do that, it will produce fruit. And this is an idea that the scripture talks about a lot is this idea of pr producing fruit. And all that really means is that the things that we say we believe, the things that we read, are going to be shown through our lives. That they're going to be noticed through the ways that we're treating others, the ways that we're living into the places that we are. And James goes on in verse uh, 23 and 24 to say this. He says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, then you walk away and forget what you look like. You look in a mirror, you, you notice all the little things about yourself, and you walk away and you forget what you look like. And he says if you look at what God's word says and then walk away, it's like doing that. It's like looking in a mirror, closely inspecting your image, noticing the good, the bad, the ugly, walking away and, and forgetting what you look like. And James realizes even 2,000 years ago that we all look to something to determine how we think about ourselves, what we think about others, how we think we should interact with others, and how we should live. And, and James knows that what we think needs to be changed and transformed. And, and the reality is, is that we all look to something to determine our direction, right? We all look to something, whether uh, we, we try to get as many podcasts in from the successful business owners, or we try to go to, uh, to as many conferences as we can to take in all the information that we can to, to help us direct our energy and our time, right? And sometimes we find ourselves looking for a variety of things to determine our direction. But I'm almost certain that all of us, at least once a day, probably more, we look in a mirror, right? And, and it makes me think of, do you guys remember those mirrors that would be at like children's museums or fairs that you step in front of these mirrors and, and one of them might make you look like you're 15 and a half feet tall and then the next one you step in front of makes you look more like a piece of spaghetti than a human. And then you step in the last one and you're like a tiny little blueberry. Um, these mirrors gave you a skewed image, right? And, and you know, the, the ones that portray a skewed image of what you look like are fun and all, but I don't think any of us would, would prefer to have that mirror in our bathroom that we go in and look in every morning or every evening. Um, we want a mirror that is going to, or 99% of the time we want a mirror, that's going to reflect a clear image. We want a mirror that's going to reflect... The, the true reality of what we are looking like. And James is challenging us to allow the Word of God to be a mirror that can determine our direction. In the mirror of Scripture, the Word of God is a mirror that we can trust. It's a mirror that we can build our lives around. It's clear. It's very honest with, with where we are, with where God is. And the reflection that Scripture allows us to have on our lives is clear. It's crisp. And we will see ourselves as our real selves. And we will see God as a real God who loves us and is there for us. And we can't settle for other mirrors that, that may be offered to us that tell us, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z to be successful. You need to uh, make sure you implement these five tactics in order to be a successful parent or a successful business owner or a successful worker. And all these different mirrors 
of society tell us we have to change certain things in order to be what we need to be. But I think about mirrors, and you know the, the beautiful thing about mirrors is that it holds no record of the past. The mirror doesn't have a, a storage of, of everything that it's seen. A mirror is an honest interaction with the tangible, with the here and now. And, and when we look into a mirror, and when we look into a mirror that is the living word of God, it doesn't require preparation. It doesn't require us to, to get our makeup did up, and it doesn't require us to put on a three-piece suit. When we, when we go into the word of God that, that will be the mirror that reflects on our lives, it doesn't require preparation to enter into it. However, the mirror that is the living word of God does require a response. It's that idea that we cannot leave the same way that we came. And, and when we come in front of a mirror, we don't, we don't have to worry about what we looked like yesterday. But the purpose of a mirror is to be able to, to fix something with ourselves. Whether we come in front of the mirror in the morning and we, we're like, oh my goodness, I got the wildest bedhead I ever had. I can, my breath is so bad I can see it in the mirror. Or, or maybe our shirt is so wrinkled and we're like, oh goodness, I need to do something before I go out to work. And, and what James is saying is that by forgetting what we look like, it's like going in front of the mirror where we're, we're looking crazy and we know we're looking crazy. And James is saying, if we go in front of the word of God and we see what it's saying and, and see what it's saying about how we can live, it's as if we went in the bathroom in the morning, saw we were looking crazy with our bad breath and our wild hair, and we walked into the world living as if we were rocking our best fit, as if we were, we were dapper down to the toe, as if we had the freshest haircut, knowing that, that we were looking crazy. And he's saying, if, if we see that we're looking so bad, or see that there's things that we can change in our lives, and then we walk into the world changing nothing, that's the, he was like, you're fooling yourself. He's like, that's, that's not reality. You're fooling yourself. And, and what he's saying is when we do this, when we see how God desires us to live, when we read his word and encounter him, and then we go out and act however we want, he says we're just fooling ourselves. We're just fooling ourselves. And look, it's okay to look into the mirror that is God's word and, and be like, dang, I'm really far off from where I want to be. There's a lot of ways that I could get better. There's a lot of things I could do to become a better follower of Jesus. That's okay. And what I hope you hear this morning is that, that it's not okay to stay there. And we, we will never leave, reach a level of perfection. However, as followers of Jesus, we get to go to the, the mirror that is God's word and see the little ways that God is going to refine us, that he's going to produce new fruit in us, that we're going to act out his word in new ways. And that's a process that never stops. It's a process that we do for years to come and we don't reach a level of perfection. However, we continue to grow. We continue to be transformed. And he has given us, God has given us his word and his spirit so that we may find life and find life that is truly life. And, and, and I like what commentator David Gazik says. He says it like this. He says, a healthy person looks in the mirror to do something. Not just to admire the image. And then even so, a healthy Christian looks into God's word to do something about it. Not just to store up facts that will not be put to use by being a doer of the word. 
And one of the wonderful things is that when we walk to the feet of God, when we walk to the feet of Jesus, with all of our junk, with all of our mistakes, with all of our pain, he looks us at the, in the eyes and he says, thank you for returning. Thank you for coming back to me. Thank you for, for coming to me to heal you, to be your restorer. He's like, I know that you've carried the weight of your mistakes. I know that you've been carrying that burden for years. I know that you've been feeling like you just don't fit in. And in that moment when God looks us in the eyes, as we bring all of our junk, all of our mistakes, all of our heaviness and all of our, our burdens to his feet, and we sit in his presence and we, we receive the word of God, we, we see him say things like, like in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in its advance for us to do. And we see in Romans 6.4, him tell us something like this. He says, when, when we were buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live new life. And then we see in, somewhere in John 14, Say, him say, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And we could sit up here all day and, and point out verses, right, that say things about us and, and God's love for us and the ways that he's transforming us. But, but we see things like this where we're, we're called God's handiwork. We're called to be people that have new life. We're redeemed. We're living into a new story. And we're empowered by, to do all of these things, to do the good work, not by our own doing, but by the Holy Spirit that has been sent on our behalf. And all of these things point to this idea that there's this higher expectation for you and your faith. There's this higher expectation that God wants us to get to but just hearing, just receiving and listening to a word will never help us reach that reality. It has to be put into practice. It has to be something that isn't just staying in our heads, but it has to drop to our hearts. And we have to really feel it and believe it. And then it goes out through our hands as we live out in, into our lives. So what does James say it should look like instead if it's not just listening? He says this in verse 25. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So he says, instead of looking into the mirror and forgetting, look intently into the perfect law. And the Greek term that's used here is a, a term that as you're walking along and you notice something, you, you pause and you stare intently to it to understand it. And you look at it until you figure it out. And James says we need to do this with the perfect law that sets us free. So what in the world is the perfect law? How is he going to set me free? What is the perfect law? And, and James here is referring to the gospel as the perfect law because Jesus was the perfect person that didn't break the law of God. And he was the perfect law as he embodied the law of God and as he transformed what, how we interact with the law of God through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus Christ fully obeyed God's law, right? He who knew no sin became sin for us. And Christ's sacrifice on the cross has redeemed us from, from the curse that we, we deserved from, from our sin and our mistakes. And in Romans, Paul says it this way. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free in the law of, or from the law of sin and death, excuse me. And what we are told to do then by James and in this scripture is that we should look intently into the perfect mirror that is God's word. Stare into it intently for understanding and understand the message of Christ, the gospel that, that gives us new life, that gives us freedom, that sets us free from any chains that were holding us down. And lucky for us, in Jesus' ministry, he told us what this looks like. He told us what it looks like to, to receive the perfect law and live it out. And, and he said something that we call the greatest commandment. It just says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In, in another part of Jesus' ministry that we refer to as the Last Supper, he's with his closest disciples, and as he's looking forward or, or looking towards the cross and knowing what was about to happen, he leaves them with this new command. And in John 15, 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you. He, he challenges his disciples and he challenges us to, to not only receive the word of God and not only witness Jesus do miracles and not only witness Jesus come into a world that was hurting and bring life and bring freedom, but to love one another even as Jesus has loved us, even as God has loved us. We are to reflect that love unto those around us onto the communities that are hurting, onto the people that were cast out by society and said that they didn't measure up. Jesus is like, the command I leave you with is love one another. Be the people that is reaching out to those who are hurting. Be the person that is lending a helping hand to those in need. And we look into all of that and what Jesus has done for us through his sacrifice, how he has called us to live and we let it take root in our heart. And we go and we do it. And, and we don't just hear it and forget it and walk away unchanged. And, and because, because all, of this, all of this is to say that God desires us to use his word, to stare into his scripture, to scare, stare into the words that he has given us. Not so we may just listen not so we, we may just store up knowledge in our head so that we may be ultimately transformed by the power of Christ. So that our, our actions may be an overflow of the beliefs, the confessions that we have of Christ and the way that Jesus has changed us. We, we live that out in ways that not only communicate Jesus' love for other people, but say, hey, this isn't just for me. This is for all of us. Jesus died for you too. Jesus loves you just as much as he loves me. And that is the expectation and, and it's desired to be our reality. And, and that's what we're doing ultimately. When we, when we turn away from sexual immorality, when we forgive others, when we live out the commands of Jesus, when we love others, when we do for others what Jesus has done for us, we're doing that, which I was just talking about, that is the gospel as, as Jesus calls us to step into a life that only glorifies God and acknowledges that left to our own accord, we will fall short. We will not measure up. But when we live under the perfect law that is forgiveness found in Jesus, we find freedom. We find grace that abounds beyond anything we could ever do. 
and we find a call to action that says, hey, I love you and I love that you have confessed your faith in me. But how about we, how about you, like Jesus' last command to his disciples, how about you do unto others as I have done for you? And we ask ourselves, well, why, why do we do all this? Well, I believe because when you truly believe what Jesus has done for you and what he's done for us, it transforms the way we live. And going back to the idea of we don't leave the same way that we came. When we encounter the radical love of God in a way that is undescribable, when we, when we read his word and we say, God, that word was written 2,000 years ago, but I know that in my, my life right now, that's exactly what I needed to hear. When we receive a word from a, a friend or an, an elder or someone that is following after God, and we're like, hey, I, I don't know if you know, but that word just uplifted my spirit. That word just gave me courage to make the decision that I knew I needed to make. And God speaks to us in crazy and awesome ways. And he does all of this so that we may have faith in him and that we may live out our faith. That we may embody the teachings of Jesus. That we may be people who are stepping into the world around us and being doers of the word. So let's recap here a little bit about what James says the process should be for us as followers of Jesus. And, and worship team, you guys can come. First, James is like, receive. Receive the word of God. And we receive a word from God. We have an encounter with the spirit of God. And next, James says, hear and listen. And, and we listen to what God is speaking to us. And we allow it to move from our head to our heart. And third, James is like, do and obey. In our encounter with what we have heard, in our encounter with what transforms our lives as we become the women and the men that God is growing us to be. James is like, it, it starts in our head. We, we receive, we listen, we receive knowledge, and it drops to our heart. We believe it, we affirm it, and it goes through our hands as we live as men and women in the world who are going to be more like Christ. So I hope that this morning you hear a message from God. Um, that he desires your heart above all else. We can, we can check off the boxes. We can say, do all the right church things. We can step into rooms and put up a facade. But at the core of the gospel, Jesus desires our hearts. And because when our hearts are in him, our actions will follow. And Jesus came down to earth so that broken people like me and like you could live into a life that is full of freedom from the chains of sin, that is full of freedom from our past mistakes, from any hurt or guilt that we might have. And we're invited to step into this life full of transformation where we don't leave the same way that we came. When we encounter the living God, we step into places and we ask God to transform our hearts so that we may be more like Jesus each and every day. And, and Jesus' an invitation to come to him it's not just for a select few. It's not just for those who are, are special. But Jesus' invitation to come to him is for everyone. And, and just like the mirror, you don't have to prepare yourself before you come to him. You don't have to, to change and get everything right before you step into God's presence. However, don't be surprised. When you step into God's presence, when you seek after him, if there's ways that you're convicted to change, if there's ways that you're convicted to be transformed, and he will never turn us away. And he will always welcome us when we seek him for redemption. So this week, um, as you look in your mirror each day, 
challenge you, maybe, maybe take a post-it note or, or a little piece of paper and, and put it on your mirror with a verse that encourages you or a word that you feel like God is trying to speak to you. And each day when you step in front of the mirror, just, just for a moment, remember that the image that you see reflecting back at you, and, and I don't mean your physical image, I don't mean how your hair is looking that day, I mean the person that God is, is making you into. The men and the women that, that you see staring back at you in the mirror. Know that God loves you deeply enough, so deeply enough that, that he continues to, to change us, to transform us. And, and God loves us so much. And, and he tells us in these scriptures that we looked at today that we have power, not, not on our own, but through his Holy Spirit to be a force for good a force of love in the world around us as we strive to be more like Christ. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray that today, um, as, we, as we worship you, God, and as we go out into our communities, into our work, workplaces, and into our homes, God, that you would just let us be people who are not only listening to your word, God, but are stepping into it in action and who are continually seeking you out and asking what direction you might have us go in and being people who, above all else, love others as you have loved us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.